Join me please in Psalm 50. We want to look at verses 12 through 15 to begin. God says, If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? What do you think the answer to that is? No. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. And call upon Me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify Me. This is a precious passage of Scripture as God declares His need for no one and no thing. And yet, He desires our engagement with Him. And He calls for us to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. To declare that He is provided. To call upon Him in the midst of our distress. As a result of that, God delivers us in our distress. And in that deliverance, we glorify Him. That is our desire. To glorify God. He has given us everything we have. There is not a glorious thing that you have that is not directly attributable to God's good hand of provision. These words from George Washington, our first president, whereas... It is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. Whereas both the houses of Congress have, by their joint committee, requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer, to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now therefore, I do recommend next to be devoted by the people of the states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto Him our sincere and humble thanks for His kind care and protection of the people of this country. That is nice. And from ye governor of ye colony, William Bradford, we have this. Inasmuch as the great Father has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas, beans, squashes, and garden vegetables, and has made the forests to abound with game and the sea with fish and clams, and inasmuch as He has protected us, has spared us from pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience. Now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims with your wives and ye little ones do gather at ye meeting house on ye hill between the hours of 9 and 12 in the daytime on Thursday, November 29th, 
of the year of our Lord, 1,623. And the third year, since ye pilgrims landed on ye pilgrim rock, there to listen to ye pastor and render thanksgiving to ye Almighty God for all His blessings. It is good to give thanks unto the Lord. It is good to acknowledge the good hand of our good God that has resided upon us all the days of our lives. Richard Baxter wrote these words, Though our thankfulness is no benefit to God, yet He is pleased with it as that which is suitable to our condition and showeth the ingenuity and honesty of the heart. An unthankful person is but a devourer of mercies and a grave to bury them in, and one that hath not the wit and honesty to know and to acknowledge that hand that giveth them. But the thankful looketh above himself and returneth all as he is able to him from whom they flow. You know, we could list blessing upon blessing this morning. We could name countless physical blessings that we have enjoyed, emotional support, and certainly the innumerable spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ in the heavenly places. We have been blessed. And so we must We must give thanks to God. Take a look at the 103rd Psalm. It was our Scripture reading earlier. Psalm 103. The list of blessings that we enjoy are breathtaking. This passage lists some of the spiritual benefits that we have received. Not all. Beginning in verse 1 of Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity. Look down at verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sins. That doesn't mean He doesn't deal with our sin. What He's telling us is that In the dealing with our sins, He doesn't allow us to absorb the punishment. Instead, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, absorbed that punishment in our place. He doesn't deal with us according to our sin. But Jesus became sin for us. And God dealt with Him according to our sins. Let's continue in this passage. Nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows pity to his children, so the Lord shows pity to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. We have been called 
to give thanks. The Old Testament provides for us many samples of ways that God built into the religion, the the worship of Israel for giving thanks. I want to point out a few of them, but we're going to look at one of them. Take a look at Joshua chapter 4 for a moment. Joshua chapter 4. God provided memorials in the Old Testament for His people that they would continuously have before their minds reasons for which they should give thanks. And the reason that God builds this into the life of His people is that we have a tendency to look at what's in front of us right now. It's the old expression, what have you done for me lately? We've all been on the difficult end of people forgetting how kind we've been to them. For if we, in a particular moment, neglect them in their mind, they don't remember all the times that we didn't neglect them and all the times that we sacrificed for them. It's a sad, sad thing. What have you done for me lately? Uh, Well, God has woven into the life of His people ways that we will not forget His good hand upon us. And some of these are through memorials. In Joshua chapter 4, let's start reading in verse 1. In verse 1 it says, When all the nations had finished, finished, when all the nation, excuse me, had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people and from each tribe a man and command them saying take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the very place where the priests feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight so take these stones out of the midst of the Jordan God had just made it possible for them to walk through on dry land. They get to the other side of the Jordan and God says, I want you to take these stones and, and make a pile of them. Look down at verse 6. These may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall say to them or you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off so that these stones shall be, in, uh, shall be to the people of Israel a, what does it say, memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. It's a memorial. What's the memorial for? So we don't forget. You go to Washington, D.C. Some of you would like that. Others of you would not. But as you walk through the the capital of this nation, there are monuments all over the place commemorating, reminding us of people who lost their lives 
for us, people who stood tall in the midst of difficulty, people who led our nation through times of difficulty. There's a ginormous Abe Lincoln uh, sitting there. You can go up and look at his toes and all of that stuff. There he's, he's a memorial to, to someone who led our country. This happens in here, here in the state of Rhode Island. If you drive down to Exeter, drive into the Rhode Island Veterans Cemetery, there are memorials through there. What are they for? To remind us. People bled for you. People gave their lives for you. Our country doesn't always look at it that way. On holidays, we just celebrate the food or our family. And that's fun. I like the food and I like the family. What are these memorials for? To remind us that we don't have freedom for nothing. Well, God has built this into the system of our walk with Him. Memorials. Uh, memorials like this in Joshua chapter 4. He reminds us every time there's a large rainstorm, what do we see in the sky? A rainbow. God will never flood the earth again um, in its entirety as a judgment. We have the Passover that uh, the people of Israel celebrated. What was that? to do. Remind the people that God delivered them from uh, Egypt. He provided their escape and He saved their firstborn because of this lamb. The blood that was on the, the doorposts and over the top door frame. These are memorials for, God, for God's deliverance. We have the Sabbath day. What is that Sabbath day a reminder of? Well, God worked on six days and on the seventh day He rested. Why? Because he was super tired. It really was hard to say, let there be light. And there was light. He wasn't tired. God doesn't tire. He doesn't have physical bodies like we are, like we do. He doesn't tire. It was to set a pattern so there'd be a reflection and a time to rest. It's a memorial. There was manna in the Ark of the Covenant. What was this a reminder of? That God provided for you as you uh, wandered through the wilderness. Every day there was manna on the ground. What is it? I don't know. Some kind of wafer thing that they could make bread with. It was uh, apparently life-sustaining, right? God provided it every day. And so it was in the Ark of the Covenant. Was someone supposed to eat it? No. It was a memorial, reminder that God provides then the Feast of Tabernacles. They celebrated every year. What was this for? God provided us passage. And God was with us as we wandered the Feast of Tabernacles. These are just memorials. There are also songs in the Old Testament that reminded the people of God's deliverance. Take a look at Exodus chapter 15. Exodus 15. So memorials and songs. Exodus 15 don't you wish that you could hear some of these songs, what they actually sounded like? I can tell you, they wouldn't sound like English. <laughs> and I don't think they were boring either. No funeral dirges in these celebration songs. Exodus 15, we're going to cut right into the middle of Moses' celebratory song of God's deliverance. Verse 11. Who is like You, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like You? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. You stretched out Your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You led in Your steadfast love the people whom You have redeemed. You have guided them by Your strength to Your holy abode. 
The peoples have heard. They tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in your own mountain, the place, O Lord, where you have made your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has, He has thrown into the sea. You see, this is, this is just an opportunity to celebrate the working of God. The people of, of God have been celebrating God's working forever. And we will celebrate God's working forever. This is why when we read in Revelation chapters 4 and 5 and 7, and it talks about the people singing around the throne of God and speaking of the wonderful redemption that we've received through the blood of Jesus Christ, it makes our hearts filled with joy. We want to be there. Why? Because we want to give thanks. The people of Israel singing songs of celebration as they have crossed through, come out of Egypt, crossed over the Red Sea, been delivered from the Egyptians a second time, been delivered from the raging sea that could have taken their lives like it took the lives of the Egyptian riders. They sing this song of celebration. And yet, what blows our minds is that just three days later, they started complaining. You're not foolish, are you? You're not foolish enough to think that that's not a revelation of your own sinful heart. Because you and I, we come together on a Sunday morning. I love to do this, don't you? To sing, to look at God's Word, to celebrate His, rejoice, His, His, His redemption, to, to praise Him, to build one another up in our most holy faith. We leave and we feel a sense of just a glimpse of glory. We, we've been encouraged and possibly challenged and hopefully changed. And we go out and we start on the next event of the day. Before the end of the day, there's something that comes up that we get a little frustrated about discontent with. Maybe we start to complain. Maybe we're resentful towards someone or bitter. This, this thing that happened to Israel happens in us. But God has called us to give thanks. And He's built it into our worship in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Why, why did the people of Israel struggle? Because the 
heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And because when we're not immediately, in, in, in an instance, we are not giving thanks, our mind might be onto something else. So thanksgiving is something that must navigate and hover over our minds, not just while we're gathered together as the people of God, and not just when we have our Bibles open at the beginning or end of the day. But as we navigate through each day, we need to be thankful people. God has called us to this thanksgiving. When we are not thankful in a moment, we end up very similarly to the people of Israel grumbling. We have similar calls to memorials in our New Testament church, right? We celebrate the Lord's table and we will next Sunday together. We'll have the table set up and you can grab your own little combo thingy. It'll be certified, you know, COVID-free. Grab it. Bring it to your seat. We'll celebrate what? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His shed blood that takes away our sin. His uh, body that endured our sin. God's wrath for our sin. He took our condemnation. We'll celebrate all of this. Why? So that our hearts will be filled with thanksgiving. So that our tongues will proclaim 10,000 reasons and many, many more. How grateful we are to our God. We have these things built right into the life of the church. And yet God continues to call for His people and exemplify to His people the need for thanksgiving. Let me just list out a few. Um, these are familiar passages. Psalm 95.2 Come before His presence with what? Thanksgiving. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. In Psalm 116 and verse 17, I will offer to Thee the sacrifice of what? Thanksgiving. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. We see it all through the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. Take a look with me please at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 is very informative to us in this concept of thanksgiving because the context is the potential, in fact, the likelihood of anxiety. And anxiety and thanksgiving really are not best buddies. They don't hang, a lot, hang out a lot together, right? They don't have coffee a lot. Usually anxiety is over there and thanksgiving is over there. Different parts of the, of the room. In Philippians chapter 4, we have the two of them brought into one context because God is letting us know that one of the ways in which anxiety is pushed aside is as we give thanks to God for the difficulties that we face knowing that He is over, overruling all of it. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so He gives us a a remedy for our anxiety, which is to bring our requests before Him, thanking Him for the opportunity to know that He superintends over every element of my life. Everything. Everything. I don't know if you have the same experiences that I do on the, the road, People love to cut me off. And not only do they love to cut me off, they love to cut me off and then drive below the speed limit. It's like, all right, if you're going to cut me off, which I'd rather that you didn't, at least get going. But if you cut me off and then drive 10 miles an hour below the speed limit, I just think, you weren't in a hurry. Why couldn't you have waited until I went by? You have these same problems. I'm I'm not alone, right? Or is the Lord just wanting to teach me patience and and you're fine maybe you've already got it mastered i don't know i know that the lord superintends even over the guy that cuts me off i need it i don't like it i don't want it but for some reason i need it and i need to understand that that i need it i need to understand that i need difficulty because in those difficulties this guy is revealed. And this guy is not who I want to be. I want to be someone else. I want to be surrendered to the Spirit. That the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control would be on display. And if the Lord doesn't reveal that to me, I might go along my merry way thinking everything is just fine. And that's not what I need. That's not what you need. It's not what my family needs from me. I need to be walking in the Spirit. And those opportunities show me that I'm not walking in the Spirit. Let's head over to Colossians, please. We're talking about Thanksgiving. And we're talking about the call to thanksgiving in Colossians chapter 2 in a very important passage of Scripture. This, this could be as important as any other instruction for a believer. Now, there's no better instruction than repent and believe on Christ. That's the best instruction anyone can receive, right? As a believer, having repented of my sin and turned to Christ for salvation... What I need now, uh, at at the top of the list, is as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in Him. The same way. Readiness to repent and a readiness to turn in faith. Take a look at verses 6 and 7 of Colossians chapter 2. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, Ready? Say it with me, please. Abounding in thanksgiving. As I'm walking by faith, as I'm being rooted and grounded in faith, as the faith is established within me, this will take place in a way that I cannot avoid thanksgiving. I cannot avoid it. I cannot live the Christian life of my own resources. God has not made me 
a wonderful person. I'm the same not wonderful person I was before I was saved. Except I have been redeemed and sin no longer has the right to rule over me. He has placed His Spirit within me. And when I yield to the Spirit, the right kinds of things come out. None of that is me. I get no credit. I deserve no accolades. No attaboys. No pats on the back. None of it. It's the work of God. Which is why when we walk in faith, the same way we received Christ Jesus the Lord, we will be abounding in thanksgiving because we know that all of the blessings we've received are from Him. Take a look now at Colossians chapter 3. We'll start in verse 14 just for some context and fun. Our interest is in verse 15 and 17 most particularly. Colossians 3, 14 and following. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. What does it say now? And be thankful. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. How? With thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Will you say it with me now? Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So we, we see it. It's, it's clear. It's clear. Well, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4 that we're to give thanks for the food that God provides. We're not going to take a look at that. We also recognize that we're to thank God for the most incredible gift that we have. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15, thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. God's Word is filled with these instructions. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 and following, it says, Rejoice how often? Always. Pray how often? Without ceasing. Give thanks when? In all circumstances. For this is the will of Christ or will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we're given these calls to thanksgiving. What are reasons to give thanks? What are the reasons to give thanks? Well, we give thanks because we want God to know we're thankful. We want to give thanks because we want to acknowledge within ourselves that we're dependent. And we want to give thanks so that others around us will know who deserves the honor and the glory. And we do this because we want to recognize that our walk is a walk of faith. It's about what He's doing and what He's done. We want to give thanks in all things. So that leads us to a question, and it'll be brief, this point. How do we give thanks? This is more just in, in our contemplation here as we just talk about this. How do we give thanks? What is the right way for us as God's people to give thanks to God? Let's say, first of all, in the way that we meditate, in the way that we think. We wake up in the morning. We're navigating through the day. What's on your mind? Are you giving thanks for the blessings of that day and for the things that you've received as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ? So we give thanks in, our, in the way that we think, in our meditation. We also give thanks in our prayer. 
right? As we talk to the Lord, we actually utter to Him words of thanksgiving. God, You're so good to me. But what a beautiful thing you've, you've created here as you look out over the sunrise or the sunset or a, a beautiful mountain scene or as you drive through the, the, a wooded section in the midst of the fall and you see all the changing colors. Or for some of you, when you see the white stuff on the ground, you're like, oh, look at how beautiful that is. Thank you, Lord, for this. Or in the midst of the, the summer when it's nice and hot and you're sweating, you're like, God, thank you that I can sweat instead of be freezing. You know, everyone's got different things that they, they thank the Lord for about, about the, these outside circumstances. But then you, you wake up and you, you have a, a spouse or children or parents. You have a friend. The Lord has taken care of you. You have, you have uh, a warm or a cool house, depending on what your needs are at a particular time. You have food to eat. You have a, a car to drive. Um, so many things that, that we, we can utter to the Lord in thanksgiving. Certainly, we want to talk to Him about the, the forgiveness that we've received. What a joy it is every single day to know that His mercies are new. He's faithful. He'll never stop forgiving us. The forgiveness we've received is an eternal Forgiveness and the grace we've received is an eternal grace. No one can snatch me out of the Father's hand. I am His forever. We talk to the Lord about these things. And then in our actions, of course, we want people to see that thanksgiving, that we are living our lives in light of the Lord, and we, we proclaim it out loud. We rejoice in Him publicly. The, the people around you know who you are. Your neighbors know who you are. Who are you? Number one, who are you? I am a child of the King. Who are you? I am the redeemed of the Lord. I am uh, adopted into the family of God. I am what? I, I'm a joint heir with Christ. Do, do, they, do your neighbors know this? Do they know that you've been redeemed that you have life, that you're headed for eternal glory with the Lord? Do they know who you are? This is a way in our actions to be giving thanks by letting people know that God has redeemed me, that God has saved me, that God has given me life and joy and peace and truth and patience in the midst of difficulty. We, we want to do this in action. Well, this leads us to a final and relatively brief point. Thanksgiving is a fruitful evidence of the Holy Spirit. Thanksgiving is a fruitful evidence of the Holy Spirit. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 5. You know, my friends, I think you've been here long enough to know that I'm not just going to give you a list of rules. Okay, do, if you do X, Y, and Z, you'll be thankful. Because it doesn't work that way. You follow all the steps, it's not going to result in Okay, this is how it works. Here's the mechanism. If you, if you on Monday morning wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning or 5 and, and you, you, you have your breakfast and you brush your teeth and you have your coffee and you have your Bible out and you do this, this, and this, you'll be a thankful person. It doesn't work that way. Now, that doesn't mean those things aren't helpful and those things aren't important. But I'm telling you that it's not, it's not a formula to, to, to make us thankful. What it makes us thankful is the Spirit of God who dwells within us. A surefire, foolproof way of being thankful is to walk in the power of the Spirit. Look at this passage. It is such a glory 
and a joy to us. By the way, side note, if you want to give me a coffee for this little tidbit that, I, that I'm sharing with you, your marriage, your marriage will be better if Ephesians 5.18 is happening in your life. How do I know? Because as soon as this immediate context is over, he goes into the way husbands and wives deal with one another. Want, want a little bit more? Can you give me a second coffee for this one? As a child, you'll be a better child if Ephesians 18 is happening in your life because you will be obeying your parents and honoring your mother and father. All right? Third coffee? Can I, can, I, can, I, can I hear a third? Can I hear a third? You'll be a better parent if Ephesians 5.18 is happening in your life. Because in Ephesians 6.4, it tells fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, etc. He's giving us instruction that is an outflow, overflow, of what's happening in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. So let's take a look at the passage now and give me my three coffees later. Ephesians 5.18 And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Will you read with me please? But be filled with the Spirit. Okay? There's two commands. A prohibition, don't be drunk with wine. And a call, a an imperative. Be filled with the Spirit. Two commands. Don't do this. Do this. That's clear, right? What are we not supposed to do? Don't be drunk with wine. What are we supposed to do? Be filled or controlled by the Spirit. Now, in verses 19, 20, and 21, you see all the ings? You see ing, 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 ing. You see them? Those are the results of what happens when we're filled with the Spirit. They are not commands in verse 19, 20, and 21. This is the outflow of don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So what does he tell us will happen in our lives if we're filled with the Spirit instead of being controlled by some other substance? Verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks, how often? Always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You see what happens in the life of a believer when they're filled with the Spirit? One of those things is we're giving thanks in every circumstance to God the Father through Christ. That's not a command. That's the Spirit doing His work. Thanksgiving is an evidence of the Spirit's fruitful ministry in our lives. We're called to thanksgiving. How is it expressed? In the way we think, in our prayer to God, and in the way that we navigate and live our lives. But how? How will, I, how will it happen? How can I be thankful as the Scripture calls me to be? It's by being filled with the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit. Love God. Surrender your will. Surrender your mind. Be controlled by Him. My regular prayer is, God, help me to die to myself and be filled with Your Spirit. I don't want me to come out. I don't want to live my life as a, a better Rob than I was yesterday. It's not what I'm looking for. I want to live flawlessly. And that's not going to happen through Rob. 
It will only happen through the Spirit. You want to be thankful? Yes. Yes, you do, right? Okay, I'm, not, I'm not talking to a bunch of people that came here thinking, oh, will you please get this over with? Because you wouldn't be here if that's what you were thinking. You'd be somewhere that has the seven-minute sermon. That's not here. So you want to be thankful. And you know the pathway. Because this is what we talk about every week, right? But talking about it, thinking about it, and doing it, those are not the same. You and I need, we need to ask the Lord to help us to surrender our will. We need to ask the Lord to help us to get out, out of the way. And allow Him to do what only He can do. To fill us with His Spirit. And when, when He does, the fruit of thanksgiving will be in place. If you find yourself complaining, you can be sure the Spirit is not filling you. If you find yourself bitter, angry, irritable, envious, covetous, jealous, you can be sure the Spirit is not filling you. If you see a tender affection toward other people, compassion for their lostness, compassion for their um, sorrows, compassion for their difficulty, gentleness toward others, mercy, a willingness to forgive, you see patient to patience toward other people, you see thankfulness toward God, you know what you can say? I have to be filled with the Spirit. And who gets credit? Not I. Not you. God does. And so thanksgiving essentially begets more thanksgiving. There's a man named Ray Steadman, and he, he wrote a book called Folk Psalms of the Faith. And he tells of an experience that H.A. Uh, Ironside had in a crowded restaurant. I've thought of this many times. I, I used this illustration many years ago, and I, I think about it all the time. I've told my kids this before. When they, when they neglect to pray before they eat, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like a little police officer with this. It's funny. I, I have, I've been doing this to people for a long time. I, I see them. They've got their lunch. They haven't eaten it by themselves. Not like when we eat to, as they eat together as a family. There's no doubt about this. But when someone in my family goes, goes and grabs something to eat and they sit down at the table, I just kind of like, look. And I wait for them to take the first bite. I'm like, hey, did you thank the Lord for that? <laughs> and then I use this illustration, okay? So, listen, this is a good one. Uh, just as Ironside was about to begin his meal, a man approached and asked if he could join him. And Ironside invited the man to have a seat. Then, as was his custom, Ironside bowed his head in prayer. When he opened his eyes, the other man asked, Do you have a headache? Ironside replied, No, I don't. The other man asked, Well, is there something wrong with your food? Ironside replied, No, I was simply thanking God as I always do before I eat. The man said, Oh, you're one of those, are you? Well, I want you to know that I never give thanks. I earn my money by the sweat of my brow and I don't have to give thanks to anybody when I eat it. I just start right in. Ironside said, Yeah, you're like my dog. That's what he does too. <laughs> I like that one. It's just a simple illustration and, and you know, semi-foolish. But I think the, the point can, can reside within us. Everything we have, everything we are, every good, 
And every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. He gives us every good thing. We want to give thanks. And we can give thanks by His Spirit who dwells within us. Of all the varied blessings that we enjoy in this life, there is none greater than what lies ahead. An eternal home in heaven with God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that day is coming. That day is coming when we'll put off all of the former things. The thirsts and hungers of our hearts that we experience daily, those will be of the old life. And every hunger and every thirst of our heart will be forever satisfied. We will be in the presence of the Most High God. A God who loved us enough to send His own Son to bear our sin, to forgive us our sin, and to give us a righteousness we did not earn and we do not deserve so we might live with Him forever. This day of the fullness of joy is, is still to come. We get glimpses here and now. Little tastes of that glory. Little tastes of a full heart of thanksgiving and a full heart of joy. One day, it'll all come to an absolute and utter and glorious conclusion and we'll be there in the presence of the Lord forever. This is the greatest blessing which our hearts cry out, thank you, God. Thank you for all you've done. Are, do you reside in the second in utter thanksgiving for what God has done for you. This is what I want to feel. This is what I want to think every moment of every day. Because it's just as true Monday at 7.30 navigating the traffic on the way to work as it is today. Let us be joyful. Let us be thankful. Let us do this by the power of the Spirit that will endure. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. You have given us abundantly. And you have done for us exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Work within us that the thanksgiving that your Spirit gives would be demonstrated in our homes, in the church, and in the world for your glory. Father, I pray for any that are listening or here that do not know the Lord Jesus and they don't have this deep sense of gratitude for the life that you have blessed us with. I pray, Father, that even in this moment, your Spirit would make them long for an experience of lasting satisfaction that comes through knowing Jesus Christ as Lord, God, and Savior. Do your work. Opening eyes. Making people alive. Giving people life. In Jesus' name, amen.